0: Good morning and uh, let me add my welcome to everyone else's. I'm Pastor Linda, one of the pastors here at Cornerstone and it's a joy to be together. Welcome to week three, week three of our only a 3 week sermon series called Embodied Souls. Just this short glimpse into our mental health and our emotional life that we live in. I want to thank Lucy for sharing so authentically about your journey so far. The testimonies we've heard, and there's one more to come, have been so encouraging to the rest of us to delve deeper into our own mental health and emotions, explore them, and to journey with each other in them. So thank you so much. So where are we in our embodied souls? Just to recap, the first week, Pastor Hojan taught us about living out in the open from Psalm 139. And he looked at that psalm with us and reminded us that God knows us completely, he is with us faithfully, and he has made us purposefully. So that the invitation out of Psalm 139 is to live out in the open with God, and we can live out in the open with others. Last week, Stephanie brought us through a dialectic approach to faith, which means holding two opposing views together. We work through how we can experience real suffering and also know that God is with us. We can experience helplessness and also trust that God is for us. Know and trust, based on Romans 8, 35 to 39, is where Stephanie brought us. And today we're going to explore how we can respond to God in light of another aspect of our embodied souls, and that's our emotions especially the harder, darker emotions that we all experience, our emotions, what to do. And as we head that way, we're going to need the Holy Spirit to guide us. So let's pray. We do, Holy Spirit, ask for your wisdom. We do, Heavenly Father, ask for your presence with us that you open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And Lord Jesus, we ask for your presence, your compassionate presence. May we learn from your life of how to live with our emotions. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me start by asking you a question. How many emotions do you think you have? I know there are some moments where uh, in one minute I may have five or six, but give some thought to that. What do you think? Throw it in the chat. How many emotions do we as human beings have? It'll be interesting to see what you think. Well, some of the experts have set, have differing views on this. Mark Batterson wrote, um, he wrote in a book about a professor who said That he thought there were eight basic emotions: joy, trust, fear, surprise, sadness, disgust, anger, and anticipation. Now there's an emotion annotation and representation language. They suggest there's forty-eight basic emotions. And then there's a professor at the autism research center who looked at what we see and express in our faces, and he has identified 412 emotions. That's quite a range, isn't it? So no matter what you put in the chat, you could be right. What about these emotions? These emotions are from the movie Inside Out that Pixar brought out in June of 2015. And they identified five characters that are the emotions of Riley, a little girl. These five are joy. She kind of heads up the whole thing, but it also includes fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. And during the course of this movie, we learn about the intertwining of emotions and how they are all a part of us and all needed. Riley starts out happy, happy, happy with her family, and joy rules her emotional life. Then the family moves from Minnesota's San Francisco, and though Riley is told to be happy, things have shifted. Let's watch these little snippets together. the day the Prairie Dogs lost the big playoff game. Riley missed the winning shot. She felt awful. She wanted to quit. Sadness. Mom and Dad... I came to help because of sadness. Riley! Oh, we were worried sick. Where have you been? It's so late! confess, the first time I saw this movie, I was on a plane. And it was at a time when my sister was going through a rather difficult divorce. And uh, she has two daughters who were in their early 20s at the time. And what this movie did to me was I had the anger at my now ex-brother-in-law of what he had done to them. And then sadness took over. And I realized that my sister and my nieces, now their memories were tainted, just like Riley's. And you know, on that flight, I wept and I wept and I wept. And I was grateful it was nighttime on the plane. But that movie just revealed to me so clearly that all emotions are needed. They all are intertwined and we can't let them overwhelm us but we just need to figure out what to do with them. Emotions are important. There's one author, Dusty Gates, that puts it this way. Emotions such as courage and desire, awe and enchantment, sorrow and guilt, long since dismissed as materialistics, as simple biological mechanisms, they are actually true guideposts for a life of faith. And if we are willing to enter into this newfound story, we see that the author is no one other than God himself. And he has written it just for us. He has written these emotions just for us. Now, Lucy, so articulately and authentically shared as a Christ follower, we somehow get this impression that we're supposed to be this happy, happy, happy like Riley in the beginning of the movie, that if we are so full of the joy of God's presence, we will always be filled with a happiness that others will be attracted to. When we think of Jesus, we often focus on the passages all about love and peace and joy and compassion, and yet somehow we miss the full range of emotions that Jesus experienced. What can Scripture tell us about emotions and what to do about them? Our emotions, what to do. The first message I want you to hear is that every emotion is valid because God created us with our emotions. Emotions are important. How do we know this? Well, look at Jesus. Jesus' time on earth, he was fully God and fully human fully human like us, with a range of emotions. One author, Bill Gaultrey, said how to examine the New Testament. And he looked at Jesus, and he has identified 39 different emotions that Jesus experiences. 39. That's a bit more than five that Riley has in her brain. And he then was able to group these into 11 core emotions. The first ones you can probably think of right away. Hope, faith, love, joy, peace. Those are the first ones that come to mind when we think of Jesus. Then there's pain. Because Jesus experienced physical pain and emotional pain when he was deserted. Surprise is another one that he identified. And then there's anger and anxiety and sadness and shame. The author of this said, each of these offers a mirror to help us to verbalize our emotions and receive Jesus' empathy. Let's take a look at just a couple of these. Anger. Yes, Jesus got angry at injustice. Like in Mark 3, 5, when it says that he looked around at the Pharisees. There was a man in the synagogue with wilted hand. And it was the Sabbath, not allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. And Jesus got angry with them. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, come forth, I will heal you. Now, when Jesus cleared the temple of the money changers, he was angry with them for profiting from the marginalized that had to purchase their sacrificial animals from them. Mark tells us that Jesus was indignant when the disciples tried to stop the children to come see Jesus. Jesus got angry. What about anxiety? It's not the poster picture we have of Jesus, is it? Being anxious. But when he was telling the disciples about his upcoming death, he said, my soul is troubled. That's anxiety. And you read the accounts of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane whereas all the authors of the Gospels describe him as being grieved, even to death. He was distressed. He was troubled. The anxiety of the pain he knew was coming, and he asked for it not to happen. Luke describes it as he was inanguished. He prayed even more earnestly. Anxiety. What about sadness? It's recorded in Luke that when Jesus looked from the Mount of Olives over Jerusalem, He was disturbed in spirit, and he was grieved. He grieved for Lazarus. That's when he wept. How about the level of sadness he had when he felt forsaken by God and cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's just a a glimpse into some of these raw emotions that Jesus had, and I encourage you to explore them. Every emotion is valid. Our focus today is on the darker emotions, those that overwhelm us. Now Charles Spurgeon, an English preacher from the 1800s, who himself has said to have thought he suffered from depression, he said this once, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more. But the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Our dark emotions can get very dark indeed. What to do? We bring them to God. Jesus showed us that when he cried out to God. He was actually quoting from Psalm 22, verse 1. That's the first verse, and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We turn to God in our dark emotions. So we're going to spend some time in Psalm 13, another one of David's. And, uh, you know, of the 150 psalms we have in our Bible, a third of them are laments or this dark crying out to God, bringing our dark emotions to him. So let's look at Psalm 13. Look it up in your own Bible. Look at it on the screen, and I'll read it for us. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I shall sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. No, when Lucy was sharing, she quoted from Psalm 142. And as she said, that's when David was in the cave hiding from Saul. This psalm, Psalm 13, most scholars think it doesn't have a time, it doesn't have a place, it doesn't have a situation of David's, but it's accumulation of so many things he was crying out to God about. Now, I like what Martin Luther says about the psalms. What is the greatest thing in the Psalter? But this earnest speaking amid the storm winds of every kind. Where do you find deeper, more sorrowful, more pitiful words of sadness than in the Psalms of Lamentations? There again, you look into the hearts of the saints, as into death, yes, as into hell itself. When they speak of fear and hope, They use such words that no painter could depict for your fear or hope. And that they speak these words to God and with God, this, I repeat, is the best thing of all. This gives the words double earnestness and life. So let's work through these words to God and with God. Because that gives our words double earnestness and life. So verse 1 and 2, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? There's the cry of our hearts when we were in dark emotions. How long, O oh Lord? There's a reason David says that phrase four times, how long? This is a true cry for God's help. It's like Jesus on the cross. Now, this is a very holistic verse in the sense that it speaks of loneliness. God, how long have you forgotten me? I am alone here. It speaks to our thoughts, these negative thoughts that we're wrestling with when we're in dark emotional times. It speaks of sorrow and sadness day after day. And also, our physical threats we feel around us. David expresses, and we can use this to also express, our problems with God, problems going on inside of us, and problems going on outside of us that are causing these dark emotions. It's a face-to-face with reality, isn't it? That the chaos and disorder around us and in us is bringing our strong Emotions. Now, some of you know that in 2010, Jeff and I moved from Canada to Manila in the Philippines, and I headed there with great expectations, believing God had places for me to serve, things for me to do. I was ready. However, this was not to come, and I fell into a deep, emotional, dark place. Loneliness. No family, no friends. And any family friends I had were a 12 hour time difference away, what made it very difficult to connect. Where was God and his plan that I thought he had for me? My thoughts. Oh, I give up. I'm going home. I just in too dark of a place to actually leave the apartment because life in Manila is just too hard. There was sorrow in my heart for what I had left behind, for the nothing that was happening here. How long, oh Lord, am I just going to drift? God, where are you? Henry Nouwen has said that these psalms of lament are for those who cannot articulate their own pain. So we start with God. Where are you? Next, David calls out in verses 3 and 4. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. God, reveal yourself to me. Look on me and answer, This is an expression of true feelings, a desire for a response from God. Give light to my eyes. I want to see you. I want to understand what's going on. I'm exhausted with these emotions. And I found that mourning was exhausting. Mourning my family, mourning my friends, mourning my past life. So we say to God, reveal yourself to us. And what I discovered is this takes a number of forms. Over the months, as I cried out to God with this, I realized he was revealing himself to me in unexpected ways. People he sent into my life. A woman who invited me to join her little, her little nonprofit that I'd never heard of. A church that invited me in to do their midweek services. God revealed himself in nature in ways that were beyond my belief before as Jeff and I learned how to scuba dive and see a whole other area of creation that had been hidden to me before. Oh, I I still had dark, sorrow-filled times where I've wrestled with my thoughts. I still struggled with, where are you, God? However, something had started to shift as he revealed himself to me In small, unexpected ways. God, reveal yourself to me. And then verse 5 and 6. But, that's always important in Scripture, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. God, I trust After, God, where are you? God, reveal yourself to me. God, I trust. Note, this has not been resolved. David doesn't say here, thanks, God. You have revealed yourself to me. You have vanquished my enemies. You have taken away my sorrow and my darkness. No, he's not there. You know, earlier we worshiped with a song that referred to God's love. And no matter where we are, healing is in God's hands. Though healing had not happened for David at this point, he holds tightly to the trust that it will happen. It's amazing that shift from the first two verses to these last two. And where does it come from? Ruth Haley Barton, in a webinar I I stepped into this week, said this line. If we walk into our emotions, we can trust God will meet us there. If we walk into our emotions, we can trust God will meet us there. That's the journey of this psalm. The journey we take with our emotions. And I love this psalm because it goes through kind of every time, thing, we will live. Speaks to the present when David says, but I trust. Because of your unfailing love, I trust right now. Because of the salvation Jesus Christ has brought to us, we trust right now. Not because all is perfect, but I trust. Now he also speaks to the future. I will sing. Not now, but someday I will. if I could paraphrase from um, from revelation twenty one I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and then God comes down and lives amongst us. And it says, "God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more." mooring and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. I will sing. And then he speaks of the past. For he has been good to me. Remember times that God has been faithful in the past. And that's throughout scripture. And that's foundational for us when we deal with our dark, Emotions. Well, my own story, if you fast forward from move to Canada to Asia and then Asia to Boston. And that again was another extremely dark time in my life. I was right back there with sorrow in my heart. I was mourning my friends, the church, the city there. I was desperate to know what I was going to be doing here. I was wrestling with my thoughts. It took me months and months to start to come out of that dark sadness, for that sorrow in my heart to start to dissipate. And yet, what I could do is look back to my move from Canada to Manila and what God had taught me in, in Asia. So I could say, I trust right now I will sing again, not right now, but I know I will, because you have been faithful in my past. So our emotions, what to do, recognize deep inside that every emotion is valid. Walk into them, trust that God is there. God, where are you? God, reveal yourself to me. And God, I trust. I trust in the present because of our future promise through Jesus Christ and because of your past faithfulness. Let us pray. Our Father God, you created us with an incredible mix of emotions that we will never understand. We know that there is joy and there is happiness and there is love. We also know that there is sadness and despair and mourning and anxiety. We love Jesus Christ that you have experienced each one of these so that when we turn to you, you fully understand. You fully can journey us. You fully can encircle us with your arms and say, I know. Find rest. And God, we know that we can bring them to you and cry out like David and other psalmists have. We thank you that we can do that. That in all honesty, we can bring our dark emotions to you. And you will journey them with us. We trust you in that, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we are grateful for your presence. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.